Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your midweek Bible study, and today is Wednesday, February 22nd. We're continuing in our study of 2 Corinthians. Today, we're going to be studying chapter 12, verses 11 to 21, and we'll be talking about Paul's concern for the Corinthians. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, so let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing gift of life. Thank you for this chance to study your word. Lord, we're so grateful that we have this opportunity and for all that have come to join today. Father, bless them. And most of all, God, I just pray that we would have open minds to hear your truth today and then be willing to implement whatever you have for us in our daily lives. Thank you for all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. All right, open up your Bible or Bible apps to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 11 to 21. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 11 to 21. And follow along as I read. You have made me act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in other churches, has to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants and with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I'll find you quarreling, filled with jealousy, filled with anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I'm afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. All right, folks, that's our verses for today. Let's unpack them. Here we go. Let's start with verse 11. Verse 11 reads, You have made me act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. Here's our first question today. In this verse, Paul says the Corinthians made him act like a fool and that he is not inferior to those false teachers, but that he is nothing. What does he mean? The Corinthians should have commended Paul, or at least stuck up for him to these false apostles. After all, Paul was their spiritual father. He knew them. He had lived among them and led many of them to faith in Christ. The very existence of the gathering of believers whose lives had been changed by the Holy Spirit was evidence of Paul's faithfulness to the truth. Instead, Paul had to act like a fool, boasting about himself in order to deal with the issues at hand. Paul made it clear that he definitely wasn't least of those who called themselves super apostles, 
for they weren't the true apostles of Christ, but false apostles sent by Satan. Paul never thought he would have to defend himself against these conniving preachers, but the Corinthians forced him to do so. All right, let's look at verse 12. It reads, When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I'm an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The question for verse 12 is, what was the proof of his apostleship that Paul is referring to here? Well, the proof was that the Corinthians saw the signs and wonders and mighty works performed through Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit. Demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power were among the marks of a true apostle of Jesus. Signs and wonders and mighty works were supernatural occurrences that served as evidence that God's power was at work in and through one of his messengers, especially as the church was being born. The specific signs and wonders performed in Corinth are not recorded in the New Testament, but they were a routine part of Paul's ministry. Paul says such signs were performed among them with patience. Here again, Paul referring to endurance during difficult times for the Corinthians' sake. The evidence of God's power and authority in Paul was obvious to them. At least it should have been, especially at that time. Now Paul wonders, how could they have forgotten that so quickly? Verse 13. The only thing I failed to do, Paul said, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. The question is, why did Paul choose not to become a financial burden to the Corinthians in particular? The only practice Paul didn't do that the super apostles were doing in Corinth was that he didn't charge money for his teaching. Building on the Greek notion that manual labor was beneath teachers and preachers, these false teachers had asserted that one of the signs of an apostle was demanding payment for their services. So in the minds of these false teachers, the fact that Paul had spent long hours sewing tents together disqualified him as an apostle. Paul hadn't taken advantage of this right because he didn't want to owe anything to anybody else. He wanted the freedom to preach the gospel to everyone, no matter whether it be Jew or Greek, slave or free. So he sarcastically asked that he be forgiven for this wrong. So when you read that verse again, remember that last phrase that talks about, please forgive me for this wrong, is said very sarcastically. All right, on to verses 14 and 15. They read, now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Here's the question. Right away, Paul says that he's coming for a third visit to Corinth. What were the first two visits about? And why did Paul end verse 15 saying that the more he loved the Corinthians, the less they seemed to love him back? Remember, the first visit that Paul made to Corinth was our book of 1 Corinthians. And then as we were in our study of 1 Corinthians, we discovered he made a second trip during the latter part of 1 Corinthians, and it was a very difficult trip for him to make. So now this is going to be his third visit to Corinth. You know, these two verses are a beautiful statement about what Paul saw as his purpose in life. He planted the church in Corinth and led many of them to faith in Christ, as we've said. As a result, he thought of himself as a spiritual father to them. He wrote that he would not take money from them for his personal needs because parents ought to provide for their small children, not the other way around. Paul said he will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. 
So he saw his life as a resource belonging to God, available to be used up or distributed in order to save and nourish the souls of others. It was more than a mission, though. Paul gladly did so because he loved the Corinthians and had a genuine affection for them. He also acknowledges this is a sticking point between them. The false teachers accused Paul of not being a legitimate apostle because he refused payment from the people he served. So Paul asked the Corinthians if they love him less because he expresses his love by refusing to take money. He may also have wondered if their failure to stick up for him to these false apostles meant that they loved him less as well. All right, let's look at verses 16 through 18, shall we? Those verses read, Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Here's our question. In these verses, Paul addresses the perception that he took advantage of the Corinthians. What is he saying here? When you read these verses, it seems like no matter what Paul did or said, he just couldn't win. While some in Corinth would admit that Paul had never been a financial burden, there were others who were accusing him of getting money in some tricky way. Finally, Paul asked the Corinthians a legitimate question. How could he trick them out of their money? Had one of his co-workers taken advantage of them? Had Titus taken advantage of them? Of course, they both know the answer to that, and the answer is no. If they had found nothing wrong with Titus' conduct, how could they find anything wrong with Paul, whom Titus was representing? Titus had learned what steps to take from Paul. How could Paul's own steps be any different? This appeal would have been even more persuasive because Titus himself was delivering the epistle known as 2 Corinthians. His impeccable behavior among the Corinthians would be a continual rebuttal to the gossip of those who were trying to discredit Paul. All right, let's look at verse 19. It says, Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants and with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. Here's the question. Was Paul and his co-workers really trying to defend their own reputations? If not, then what was Paul's stated purpose in this verse? Once again, we see here Paul's deep love for the Corinthians. He seeks their maturity and their strengthening as believers. Do you see how Paul thinks of his ministry? His goal was not just to change hearts and lives, but also to build up the Corinthian spiritual strength. This should help us think of our own ministry and walks with God in at least two ways. First, we need to ask ourselves, is our service to the Lord driven by love or self-justification? Do we spend more effort talking about how blameless and good we are, or are we driven by the love of God? Secondly, we need to ask ourselves, what is our ultimate goal about the strengthening of God's people? Is the maturity, encouragement, and salvation of one another at the forefront of our minds? This kind of Christian walk is more active than some of us may want to admit. We can't just show up at service and leave. It calls us to think about our goals as we serve the Lord. All right, let's look at verse 20. We're almost there. Verse 20 says, For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Our question is, 
What is Paul concerned about when he comes to visit the Corinthians again? And what does that tell you about the Corinthians themselves? On his last visit to Corinth, Paul had warned those who were persisting in sin to repent of their ways. Paul was still apprehensive that the church might not be ready for his visit. He was concerned that the Corinthians might have not taken the appropriate steps to rid their church of sin. Let's talk about the specific issues Paul addresses here in this verse. First, he worried that the Corinthians might still be quarreling. In his earlier letter, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 10 through 13, Paul had already warned the Corinthians of dividing into factions and competing for power in the church. Next, he talks about one of the key problems in the church, and that was the Corinthians' jealousy of each other. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 3 through 5. Instead of concentrating on what they could do for God, they were envious of one another, coveting the abilities and resources God had given their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Those evil attitudes then resulted in anger. That's our third issue here. Evidently, tempers were short in the church because of the division and jealousy that was there. Instead of growing into a supportive community of faith, the Corinthians were dividing into factions and fighting each other. And in the process, they were tearing down the church. And then it was also the Corinthians' selfishness that was causing problems in the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 6-7, through 7, Paul had described how they were boasting in themselves, and he had already warned them to focus their energies on preserving Christ's honor, not their own reputation. These disputes were not just one-time things either, folks. They were ongoing quarrels where church members on each side began slandering. That's the next point, or another word, is backstabbing one another. In this way, the Corinthians were attacking the reputation of their fellow brothers and sisters. Not only were they slandering each other, they were doing it in secret. They continued to maliciously gossip about each other and also, presumably, Paul. The next behavior Paul addresses is the Corinthians' arrogance. Instead of building each other up in the Christian faith, the Corinthians were simply becoming arrogant. They had become inflated with pride. And lastly, Paul warned the Corinthians about their disorderly behavior, just as he did on five other occasions. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8, 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 22, and then again in verses 33 to 34, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 32 and 33, and also verse 40. Paul was speaking about any behavior that disrupted worship services or contributed to the disunity of the church. And now for the final verse of today, verse 21. It reads, Yes, I'm afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Our last question today is this. What does it mean that God would humble Paul when he visited the Corinthians next? Paul had already told the Corinthians that he was concerned that he might be humiliated when he came to Corinth. Some Macedonian Christians were accompanying him. If Paul found the church in disorder and the Corinthians refused to participate in the Jerusalem collection, then Paul would be humiliated in the presence of the devout Christians from Macedonia. And Paul hinted here that finding the Corinthian congregation in disorder would mean more than his own humiliation. He would also have to grieve over those who stubbornly refuse to repent of their sins. The sins Paul listed here are sexual sins as compared with sins relating to pride. The Greek word for impurity means unclean, referring to uncleanness before God. The Greek word for sexual immorality 
is porniae, which is referring to illicit sexual intercourse and is commonly translated fornication. It's also the root for the English word we know as pornographic. Finally, the Greek for eagerness for lustful pleasure means excess or absence of restraint. The word connotes shameful conduct, the type of sexual deviance that occurred at religious orgies in Corinth. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our study today. I know it went by kind of quickly, but it was a really intense moment because there's lots of really important topics there. Let me recap what we just talked about regarding Paul's concern for the Corinthians. We learned about Paul's disappointment that the Corinthians did not defend him against attacks from these false apostles. The believers of Corinth had seen the signs and wonders God performed through Paul, but still weren't convinced that he was a legitimate apostle. We also saw that Paul declared once for all that he would not receive payment from them. Then Paul used a reference about how a father provides for his children and not the other way around. He also rejected an accusation that he or Titus planned to swindle them and expressed his concern that when he arrived in Corinth, he would find some still unrepentant of specific sins. Well, next week is going to be our final study in 2 Corinthians. We have been journeying through the Corinthian letters for the better part of a year, and we're finally coming to an end. Next week, we're going to be studying 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 14, and we're going to talk about Paul's final advice and greetings. And if you've missed any of the other studies in this series, you can catch up right here on this media platform. We hope you will. Until next time, I really appreciate you being here. It is such a joy to be with you each and every week. I hope that you are being blessed, not by me, but by the Lord through the reading of his word, through the studying of his word. I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your day and week. I look forward to being with you again soon. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.